episode two of season one of the Strongly Worded Podcast. I'm Sue O'Lear. And I'm Johnny Hampton. And we are once again coming at you from our beautiful dining room studio here in lovely Palm Coast, Florida. Uh, Let's see. So again, we are recording in uh, almost mid-October. We're recording this. And we said in our introductory um, episode that we are not a political podcast, but we are living through election season and I guess a political time. So occasionally we will talk politics. And so we figured we'd just go ahead and start with the elephant in the room. Yeah, we're going to rip the band-aid off here. Yeah, we're and, just going to uh, go ahead and do it. And we are going to talk about friendships, relationships in the Trump era. The pandemic in the Trump era. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're anybody who's been on social media the past six months, um, you've seen some clear division along these the lines of supporting Trump versus not supporting Trump. And there's been a lot of friendships that have been affected, um, even some of ours. And we thought it would be a good topic to discuss for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, we have, as we said in the, as we said earlier, Sue and I talk about a lot of things, and we agree on a lot of things. I think this conversation is where you're going to see us uh, disagree on some things, and I'm scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Are you scared of me? <laughs> yeah. I think it would be fun for a second to hold up and talk about something that we didn't cover in episode one, and that is how it came to be titled Strongly Worded. <laughs> yes. That, you know, we, how do we... How did we miss that? I know. So, as, as I said to you guys, we have FCB Army, okay? Bunch of volunteers for the basketball league. And Sue's nickname, <laughs> this is her nickname now, mm-hmm. is Strongly Worded Letter. Anytime we need something, we want to get a strongly worded letter from Sue O'Lear. <laughs> so when we were thinking of names of the podcast, and if you if you know me, I I have strong opinions too. So I don't. I was we were thinking about names of the podcast. We thought about maybe basketball related names because that's where we met. We thought about all kinds of things, and then one day I was driving to work, and it hit me strongly worded. That is why, that is why I'm scared. <laughs> to, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you have anything to be scared of. But it is, it is, it is uh, a blessing and a curse to be someone who is willing to share their opinions in really any way, but True. a strong way, for sure. It is not uh, something that has always served me well. I haven't always uh, thought about things before I've said them. And I know, I know over the years there are many people that I've probably turned off um, shooting my mouth off. But I don't think that it, I think it's easy to say things like shoot your mouth off. I, I uh, think long and hard and deep about things and I will change my mind. That is one thing I will do. I will admit where I've made a mistake or where I take a different course. There, is a, there are a lot of people who won't do that, mm. for sure. But, um, and I have certainly evolved, I think, even just... 
during the pandemic. I think I have, some I, things have come out that. I often uh, worry being a coach in the community and like I get all kind of parents from all kind of different political leanings who request me on Facebook. And for me, I never turn down requests from parents. Um, I think it, you know, it's my job to help promote the league and stuff like that, but my Facebook page is mine. And, you know, I post a lot of things that people might not agree with, and I worry about that from time to time, you know. But I don't talk politics when it's time to coach basketball. But some people, you know, might think, hey, this guy you know, he might influence my kids somehow. But I post a lot about a lot of different things as well. But my dad used to always say, you know, I had a way of saying things about people without them feeling like I'm talking down to them. And I try, I try to explain my thoughts clearly. Um, that's why some of my Facebook posts go long. Um, because I try to explain exactly what I'm talking about and how I feel about certain things. And when it comes to Trump, there's no other way for me to look at it except through the lens of me being a black man. And, you know, it's not, that's not something I, you know, I go out and do on a regular basis. And say, hey, look at me. I'm a, a black man. I don't do that. But because of him, I have to, I, I, I look at it through that lens um, because of his history, which I, I guess we'll get into, um, the things he's, he says, uh, the things he does, um, how he treated the first black president, um, how he treats black people in Congress in general, how, you know, the names he calls them. And we can talk about all these things. And I sometimes feel like some of my friends don't understand what I'm talking about. And in some ways they shouldn't because some of the things he's doing are what you, what I would call a racial dog whistle, which only I can hear. You don't you know, you can't hear that because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily for you. And I think I disagree, you know, where I get into disagreements with a lot of people is they think you can't be friends with Trump supporters. Um, you know, I, I don't ever want to say, you know, your support of a candidate means X, Y, and Z about you. But what I can say is if you support this guy, here's what it means. And that's what I try to do. And not everybody's receptive to that. <laughs> not everyone is receptive to that. And even, you know, just even before we really get totally into the meat uh, of what we're talking about, you said a couple things. Um, I experience Trump through the eyes of a woman mm. who shortly before he was elected in 2016, we all got to listen to him say, I just grabbed him by the, mm -hmm. I don't know if we're saying the word on our podcast, but, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you, can... you know, I mean, it's ours, I guess yeah. we can do what we want, but um, I just don't say that word a lot anyway, but uh, you know, it, it's uh, uh, in talking about him as a human, he's polarizing in numerous ways. Um, and uh, in getting ready for this episode, I did a little reading, a little research just to see, just to see if we needed to ever cite a source that's mm. the basis of some of the things that we're talking about. And I read a really interesting article that I will put in our show notes from Roll Call about um, 
it's not, I mean, it, the, the levels and the depth of the polarization and people trying to figure out if they can be friends or not is just at every level. It's people around the dinner table. It's people at happy hour. It's uh, people in D.C. It's our politicians, our, our up-and-coming, you know, the interns, the staffers, where they used to be able to clock out and go meet each other at the bar and have a drink no matter what side of the aisle they came from, they're no longer able to do that. And this article that I read took the slant that, um, you know, some of my, it had a lot to do with um, the Trump era sort of taking away um, manners. You can yeah. say things, you know, that. So I'm going to jump in here because I, when I think of this, what you just said, I think of um, local school board member who wrote an article. I'm not going to mention the name because you know, I work for schools. So. But she wrote an article. And I actually, this school board member I actually like. So I'm not even, like, I'm not even trying to slam her. Like, I, I used to go to school board meetings. I've seen her speak. I like her a lot. I follow her on Facebook. That's how I know she wrote this article. She wrote an article in one of our local papers here after Trump got elected saying, you know, now that Trump's elected, we have to hold him accountable. Now, she didn't say she voted for him. I don't know which way she voted. I, I can't assume that. But I took offense to, to it. And I let her know. We had a conversation about it. Because I said, no, you don't hold him accountable after he's elected. You hold him accountable during the election and you withhold his vote. When you voted for him, someone who, during the campaign, mocked a disabled person, uh, among many things, who had that Access Hollywood tape. When you vote for someone like that, you are validating his actions. You can't roll that back now. Right. And that was right after the election. I said, how could you... And what offended me, you're on the school board. Mm-hmm. You don't keep a, hold a bully accountable after he, he bullies someone. Like, you don't do that. You've all, we've already given him carte blanche to say what he wants because millions of people voted for him. And I don't know why, how that's hard to believe. There is no surprise. Like, I don't, sometimes I feel like I'm living in a different country because I spoke to many people. I have a lot of Republican friends from different colors, different backgrounds, different genders, everything. And I said to them, he's elected. People are going to act wild. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you mean? Look at the stuff he's saying. He's giving people, everyday people, the right to say, do this stuff and say this stuff now. And what do you see? Black man walking his dog, police gets called on him. Going to a pool, police gets called on him. You shouldn't be here. These are the things that this man has allowed because of how he speaks, because of the disrespect, because of the lack of manners as you say, that has seeped into our society because he's our leader. What do people, people look to leaders to see how to act, a lot of people. I'm not one of those people, but most people. Well, you at least want to be able to hold them up as an example. Right. So I, my experience uh, pre the election with Donald Trump was uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and The Apprentice, but you are from New York. Ooh, I got an apprentice story too, though. Yeah, I'm from New York City, and 
a lot of people used to put Trump in their raps because he was rich. But if you're from New York City and you're my age and you're a black man, you know about a couple, two things specifically. One, you know that he got sued for housing discrimination. That's a fact. And I don't, I don't have, you know, Sue got articles. I don't have any articles, but you can <laughs> use your Googles and you will find it. They were putting C's for colored people on application for apartments, him and his dad. They got sued. The second thing you know is something about the Central Park Five, who were a group of teenagers who were arrested for a rape back in the 80s, late 80s. They were arrested for a rape, detained for hours, couldn't see their parents. I still have not watched that Netflix series because it's triggering for me because I was there in New York City at that time. And they eventually confessed to a crime they didn't commit. Uh, he called for them to be put to the death penalty in, in the paper. Then they got exonerated through DNA. Thank God. And he, to this day, refuses to acknowledge their innocence. Now, there could be a variety of reasons for that. But I think the reason is because they're black. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and, and I got to tell you, you know, I mean, we'll get to know more about each other as we take more podcasts. I'm not some race-baiting guy. Um, I'm actually one of the people who, when you look at their friends list on social media, <laughs> has a mixture of people. I, 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 I actually live it. And so when I say that, I don't say it lightly. This guy is a racist. And you mentioned The Apprentice, and it, it's funny, uh, the second season of The Apprentice, and I don't know what year that was. I, I watched The Apprentice when it first came out because it, it reminded me of a class that I took at Baruch College, City, City University of New York, <laughs> called Business Policy. In Business Policy, you had to run a business. And they would put one accountant, one computer, you know, everybody from the different concentrations, and you guys ran this, com this company. That's what The Apprentice was like, because you would give them a task, and you'd, oh, you got to do this. And so I watched the first year of The Apprentice, and it came down to the final two. Um, Bill Rancic, who I really liked, and this guy Kwame, I forget his last name. Bill Rancic was white, Kwame was brown. Kwame went to an Ivy League school, I don't even know if Bill Rancic had a college degree, but I liked him, so don't get me wrong now. Bill Rancic ended up winning, and I was fine with it, because I liked Bill Rancic, he did a good job, I watched the show. You don't always have to hire someone with the most education. You can go to college and be dumb as a doorknob. A degree doesn't necessarily mean intelligence. So now the second season rolls around, and there's a guy who's trying to be the apprentice, and he's a black guy. He has a law degree and a business degree. And he's trying to work for a real estate company. To me, that's, I mean, this guy is the guy. You can give him a real estate contract, he can read it, you don't even need to give it to the lawyer. And he can negotiate it. He, Trump told him he had too much education. <laughs> and I remember, this is before, now, you know about the, the racial discrimination, you know about the Central Park Five, but you, you say to yourself, oh, maybe the racial discrimination was his pops. 
And maybe the Central Park Five, he don't really understand the DNA. You know, he thinks they did something. They were in the area. Maybe he thinks they're guilty of something. So you make an excuse for him. When he told this dude he didn't, he had too much education, and he fired him for having too much education. I yeah, mean, you're fired. You're yeah. fired with that I'm, cobra hand. I should do that when I go vote. <laughs> I wish they had a push button. <laughs> oh, I wish we were taping this. <laughs> and. We were taping it. I turned to my wife, I, I'll never forget this. We were laying in bed watching the show, and I turned to Ebony, and I said, I'm never going to watch your show again. She said, why? I said, Donald Trump's a racist. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, why are you even, no one was saying this at the time. And I remember, I was talking to one of my very, very best friends now, um, Aaron. We became good friends later in life. And I said to him, I'm not watching the show no more. He's a racist. She's like, why are you saying that? He's like one of the few people who call me John. I don't really like when people call me John. That's <laughs> not he's, your name. He's one of the few people who are like, he's like, John, why are you saying that? The show's good. I'm like, he just fired a guy. For having, who fired someone for having too much education? Mm -hmm. So after that, I was out on, because now, now I'm thinking about, okay, so this was true with your dad. And the Central Park Five thing is now, I'm not, now I'm not making an excuse. You've shown me enough. And that was way before he ran for president. Mm -hmm. Like, we hadn't seen anything yet. We hadn't seen anything. So now, when we get the first black president, and he says, he's not born here, which is another way of saying, show me your papers. When you are a runaway slave, show me your papers. When he, when, he, when he asked to see his college transcript, because basically he's saying, no, a black man couldn't go to an Ivy League school and get good grades. Hell, I just fired one. Yes. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Like, these are the calculations that I'm taking now. Yeah. That, to me, tells me all I need to know. Now, again, I see it through the lens of being from Queens, New York, and being a black man. I don't know how other people see it. But when you talk about Mexicans, and you talk about African countries being shithole countries, and every person who's in Congress that's black you kind of allude to them having a low IQ, like Maxine Waters and those things. I'm adding all this up, and it tells me that you're a racist. Now, hey, I understand people want to vote Republican, and well, I guess we'll get into that later, but from my perspective, Donald Trump is a racist. That's, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know what else I can say. Right. And that's kind of, just the tip of the iceberg. Really, it is. When it comes to him. Right. Like, really, it is. So, I mean, that's just the racism. Forget about the sexism mm -hmm. and the, all these rapes that he's been accused of. Forget about the Access Hollywood tape where he basically says, Hey, you see a girl, you're a rich man. Move in. Just move in. Mm -hmm. Like, who teaches their kids this? Mm -hmm. Like, so these are all the things. And, and even with all that... That is not the conversation I had with Trump when he was running for 2000, in 2016. Because I got a friend, a very good friend. I met him down here. He's a friend of yours. And he told me he was going to vote for Trump. I was coaching his kid at the time. We had a lot of long conversations. And I, I tried to convince him of the racism, but like I said, some people, right. they don't see it. And I said, well, okay. This, my, this particular friend, he's in roofing. 
all his jobs. He's a big time roofing guy, manager, all that. Everybody in the basketball league just went, oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is my guy, though. We all, know. everybody knows who my guy is, though. Okay. Maybe we'll even get him to show up here at the table. I, I'm going to get, I, I will I'll work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I said to him, if I came to you and wanted to be a project manager, one of your roofing jobs, with no experience, would you hire me? He said, nah. So why are you hiring Trump? Well, he's run companies before, into the ground. And if you look at, if you go online and look at a lot of his bankruptcies, some of the stipulations in those bankruptcies was when they reorganized, he wouldn't be stripped of decision-making power. Right. They didn't want him running a business. Right. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what was said when he was running in 2016 was... That, just that. I'm a businessman. I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to run it like a business. I'm going to drain the swamp. And this, in my opinion, has been the lesson. One of the lessons it's taught me is what a public servant actually is and why it's important to have a public servant running the country. Because I'll admit, I mean, that caught my ear for a minute. I don't know why. Because I owned a business, I guess, I mean, at the time. But, um, you know, and it's... It's the armchair quarterback, and it's it's the stuff that I would say in the bleachers to you, and I wouldn't want you to go say to your dad because I just I'm strongly worded. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions. Every single one of them doesn't have to be shared, but um, having uh, somebody running the country who isn't just like doesn't like to vote. I mean, he is so has such contempt for public service for what that means. That it's truly, I think, beyond what anybody ever, maybe, no, not what anybody, but what beyond what a lot of people ever imagined a businessman could do in that role of president. You see, that's the thing. You would want a good businessman, not just any. Yeah, and, and but, that, and but I, I, I would even disagree with that because businessmen are out, they're, they're not out for everybody. And, no, I agree. I agree with that. I think, yeah, businessmen look out for themselves. They to make a profit to make for their the, company. To make the most money they can. But I, I think even if you looked at it from that perspective, see, these are the things I don't understand about Trump. And full disclosure, like I've voted Republican before. Like It's not like I always voted Democrat. I'm a registered Democrat. I'll admit that. But I remember in 2004 when Bush was running again, I did not want to vote for Kerry because we had not got Bin Laden yet. And I was like, I think Bush is going to do that. I didn't want to switch. No. Now, hey, that vote sucked because the economy tanked. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm responsible for that in part. Yeah, but, me too. But, hey, I made that vote. You know, what I'm saying here is like when you look at a guy, you got to make sure he's a good businessman. Mm-hmm. At the very least. You got to make sure he's a good man. But if you're voting, here's the thing. There's some people who think no politician is a good man. That every, to be a politician, you have to be a seedy thing. And which brings me to a story. <laughs> like, so a lot of times I'll be talking to Sue and I'll, I'll say, I got a side note. Side note. This is a side note. How I knew this country was getting divided even before Trump was elected. I was working at a shipyard, and one of our major, major people were in there. They built a whole bunch of barges with us. And it was during the election, 
2008, getting close to the election. And I'll never forget, it's important for the story. And I won't always tell stories like this, but this is important for the story. I'm a black guy. I'm talking to these two older white men who own this barge company. And I talk to them all the time because I was the controller and, you know, hey, they update on your project, here the cost, this and that and the other. They loved me. Oh, Johnny, you're great. Obama was running. And at that time, I got to be honest with you, like, I didn't even know I was going to vote for Obama. You know, I'm, I was still parsing it out, you know. He was going against McCain. McCain, yeah, all right, dude, you know. Um, I was leaning, obviously I was leaning towards Obama because I, you know, McCain's okay. But I hadn't said, okay, I'm going all in yet. This guy came to me and he said, Obama reminds me of one of these New York gangsters in his nice suits. And I don't think he knew I was from New York. So I said to him, have you ever been to New York? And he tells me, no. And I said, so what do you know about a gangster? And what is he doing that's giving you that vibe? Because these are just the questions that I asked. I mean, he didn't have an answer. So when you leave there, the only answer is his black skin. Mm -hmm. So I knew then we were in trouble. So all that stuff that came after with the birther stuff and them not uh, appointing any nominees for the uh, appeals courts and all that kind of stuff, all that stuff is, I already knew that was coming. Because if he thinks that, who else thinks that? He can't be alone. So the, all of that has been building up to this moment, right? And I don't know how people, they don't, they, they're not looking at, they didn't look at him with a discerning eye. Some people, some people, uh, I, rem I think it was Van Jones on CNN that election night who said it was a white lash. Mm. And I didn't know, you know, how to feel about that. But there was, there are some people out there who didn't like a black president. Like we got to be honest with a, a couple of these things. Oh, I mean, it's true. I, I see, I'm not naming any names, mm -hmm. but I scroll my Facebook feed oh. people I'm still connected to whom I love very much, who say things like he was the most divisive president. And the only thing that I can think of that makes Obama more divisive than Trump is his skin color. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I always tell people, I don't talk politics, I just like to talk facts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... You do say that. I you, have heard you say that. If you tell me that you think Obama was divisive, just tell me how. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he said Trayvon Martin could be his son. He could have been. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, so how is that divisive? How is that divisive but very fine people on both sides when you, one of the sides is saying Jews won't replace us? How is that not divisive? They, like, it's I, divisive because like, white people were scared of him. Like, I don't feel like um, anybody who was with a tiki torch <laughs> saying Jews won't replace us is a good person. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. So when he says stuff like that, that is divisive. Mm -hmm. We are living, first of all. And, and these, these catchphrases like taking, taking our country back, 
From who? From what? What are what are white Trump voters taking their country back from? I mean, these things. We could probably have somebody who is an expert in the, you know, those give me those gotchas on Facebook and mm. how that you know what they're for and the but still that's what people are sharing and reporting. We got to take our country back. Right. Or make America great again. Again. Well, 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 tell me what time period that is, because if you if it's anything before the sixties, me, I probably won't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I like going to the you know the bathroom that's inside the restaurant mm-hmm. and not around back. Right. <laughs> I don't want to, so we if that's the time it was great, that ain't great for John. And a lot of people who um, I think are still voting Republican, and it's a Republican thing. It's not you know new to the Trump era. Uh, over and over and over and over and over again boast the economy. Everything is tied to a quote-unquote healthy economy. And how do these people believe that Trump delivered us a healthy economy? I mean, when was the last Republican that left the office that the economy was better? Was it, was it Reagan? Because... I mean, it's certainly the one that a lot of people... Old I mean, that's, and high I mean, esteem, but yeah, is but, that factor? Is that uh, and that even if it is, uh, even if it so is, how I many nostalgia? Talk, I mean, we're talking about over twenty years. Mm-hmm. Reagan been gone, mm-hmm. and if you pull, what kills me is I feel like, and this is another side note, I feel like you need four parties now because the Republican Party doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. If you pull up a Reagan speech. And what he's saying today, you wouldn't, you'd be like, what? Doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in, in certain instances, the Democratic Party, they need, like, I think AOC and them need to get their own thing going and, and push and push because I don't know if anybody wanted Joe Biden. I don't know that anybody wanted Joe Biden. But what I, you know, what you have to encourage people to remember is he's one of a lot of people that we're voting to. Yeah. Replace or restore or renew. I, I will celebrate the day that Betsy DeVos oh, man. has that, to turn in her key. It's funny. Um, the first thing me and my buddy that I talked about after the election, he said he came to me. He said, he said, who is this DeVos chick? She's terrible. Hey, you you bought that, son. Mm-hmm. You bought that. He's got a lot of opinions on people from Michigan. He commented on, <laughs> uh, you know, DeVos is from Michigan, but he, he had you know a comment what? about... And, and I forgot to ask him about it when I and I saw him and I forgot to ask him about it. We, we were supposed to talk about that, mm-hmm. um, but bringing it back to just the friendship thing, right? Right, that's our actual topic. Right, we've gotten, <laughs> we've gotten the. We, it took us thirty six minutes to introduce the topic. Now let's talk about the effect on so relationships. I have lost some friends over over certain comments, um, and you have too, uh, in different ways though. Okay, <laughs> in different ways. I had a friend. Well, I, you know, I, I use the term loosely because I always say a friend is someone you've eaten dinner at their house. Mm-hmm. Um, but this woman, I, I worked with her for a while, and um, she was a nice person. And she one day posted this thing on Facebook, and it was like a one of those things you copy and paste from someone else. I'm voting for Trump, America, blah blah blah. If you believe, vote like this too. And all I did was I simply said, okay, what do you say to a friend like me who's a black man 
about the rhetoric he's been using. What do you say? And then the next day I was deleted. Mm -hmm. She didn't respond, which tells me I'm not a friend <laughs> because you didn't respond. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't I don't make blanket statements. Um, I got friends that kind of, I even got a friend on my Facebook. He kind of supports some things Trump does, and he's a black guy. And I don't call people racist that vote for Trump. I don't do that. But when I had a conversation with my friend, what I did tell uh, him, and I tell anybody who wants to listen to that, voting for Trump is hurtful to me. And here's why. I'm a black man. I feel like he's a racist. And there has been enough proof to me that he is a racist. And if you continue to support him, you it means you're okay with the racism as long as you get what you want. And you gotta eat that. Like, we all make decisions. And when you make decisions, you gotta live with the consequences. And while one of my consequences is not gonna be to label you a racist, I am gonna say you're okay with his racism because that's what it is. And you got to eat that. You got to eat people telling you that. And it doesn't mean we can't be friends, but I'm going to let you know how I feel about it and let you know that it's hurtful and let you know that you are putting my, I feel like you're putting my family in jeopardy. I am so happy <laughs> that I have not been in Walmart or anything like that. And someone tried to roll up on me with their Trump stuff and make card me and say, what are you buying or why are you in this neighborhood? Because I probably wouldn't have a job. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not, that is going to turn ugly and I'm going to go viral. And I'm not going to go viral for taping a person and saying, look at this guy. I'm going to go viral for beating them up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't deal with that. And that's what we've been dealing with for the last four years. But specifically now, this ramp up to the to November third. Mm. Um, you know, we've all really, at least uh, initially this year, we were stuck at home. Right, we were stuck at home, so we saw with our very own eyes things unfold that perhaps um, might have landed differently if we were all still at school and work and. Um, you know, that seems like we're arguing uh, at a different, kind of a deeper level, a different level than we were going into 2016. Well, no, it could be because it's, it's a lot more serious. It's a lot more serious. And um, this is where I uh, think that we might be approaching our disagreement. Yeah. You know, because you and I, because um, I don't, I don't know. Friendship to me is a place where you feel safe. And I don't know how to feel safe with someone who uh, is okay with certain things as long as they get others. Those certain things not being a tax cut. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I, you and I are different in how we kind of reconcile and accept that yeah and I think you know a lot of people have told me and I have a lot of friends I can't be friends with a Trump supporter and for me it all depends 
on the level of friendship, right? Like, this friend that I'm talking about, we're good friends. Like, he's been with me and picking up kids, go play basketball in, in our part of town where people talk trash about it, but I, I love it. And we, you know, we, we've bought these kids things to eat. Like, I know he's not a racist. Like, I, I know that. Like, and so I can't say that to him. But at the same time, it's so funny because after the first presidential debate, and who knows we'll get another one because this dude's walking around with corona. You know, he had a couple of answers. And everybody, everybody is so focused on him not denouncing white supremacy, which, you know, that, that's a big deal. But his answer on, you know, FBI racial sensitivity training was more alarming to me. Because he made it seem like just that training alone was racist. I mean, he indicated that, you know, what they were doing, they were making, it was a role reversal. It was like they had no rights. Yeah, no kidding, man. They were trying to teach them about white privilege. And how sometimes black people feel like they don't have no rights. And he's like, no, you know, we need to get back to the values of our country. So how is having racial sensitivity training against the values of your country. Like if you, once that happened, and that debate happened, it was kind of like, um, it's like a, change, a changing point for me in terms of just how I speak about this whole thing. Because if you can see that and still say, I'm gonna vote for this guy. You know, it's, it, it's, it's tough to reconcile. And I remember my wife texting me like, how are you going to manage these friendships with people who vote for Trump after last night? And I told her, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. Be, because it's crazy. It's, it's crazy on a lot of different levels because the racism is blatant and hugely important. Mm. He... Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we begin, I think, a hearing for a Supreme Court justice that not, not, not only the ones he's packed in all the lower courts, mm -hmm. right? But now, you know, SCOTUS is going to be someone who could take a lot of rights away from our women, from our LGBTQ community, from people who need health care. I, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I'm going to be sitting at a table with family members who've unfriended me on Facebook. And uh, with some kind of, you know, with a degree of, you know that, you know the spirit or the attitude I'm talking about, like when that sort of, I don't even know how to describe it, like enjoy the needling. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're the ones in power right now, so they can enjoy that needling. Um, and I, I just, I, how do you, how do you not draw a line? Or what, where do you? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't, man, I don't, I'm glad I don't have the family member problem. <laughs> 
I, guess. I, I might be at your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know where you draw the line, but there's a there's a clear morality line there, and you got to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got to see it. And you know, I think sometimes we can say what we can about the friendships, but these these families, these blood relations. I mean. I'm not going to stop loving my mom and dad. No. You know, I would never want anything. And I I should go back and say, disconnecting from some people, I, I think, was their way of us being able to still be connected, if you if that makes any sense. Because, you know, there was a time before, I feel like social media in a lot of ways, what was better uh, when we didn't know what people really thought and we could all still have a polite dinner together? Or now that in this age of social media where every last... Hmm. thought can be broadcasted and now you know who you're dealing with I think it's funny I think for me I think you always knew who you were dealing with though you see what I'm saying like I don't think social media has changed the landscape for me I just think people are now saying what you already knew they felt it's probably a difference between you and me right <laughs> I I I think the most inter- I think the thing I like the most about the social media era now is that people are understanding that when a black person says you know hey systemic racism and people used to say oh you're always complaining about the man now they see it mm-hmm. and I said so that's a good thing that's come from it you know mm-hmm. so. We touched on it earlier, um, and I have lost uh, uh, friends in different ways or connections in different ways um, based on some talk on Facebook or social media. And it's something I've heard on all sides that people say uh, that people are uh, demanding is tolerance, tolerance for other people's views. And I have said things that would lead people to believe mm. that I am not tolerant of their views, even though my actions uh, might have been otherwise. Even though I might, you know, be friends with somebody where we've never had a conversation about politics. Look, my best friend in North Carolina and I do not see eye to eye on a lot of things, and we have made that decision to not talk about it mm. right now and not let it. Um, because so much of our friendship has stemmed out of so many different things. I mean, we were close for different reasons, and it's kind of like you and, and your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, at what point, and it kind of goes back to you saying something, I'm paraphrasing, that we knew what we were getting, people who voted for Trump knew what they are getting into. Right. But, you know, how much are we supposed to be tolerant of? And um, so, yeah, so I, I will own it. I have said things that have, have lost uh, connections with people because I have made the blanket statements. And the day, the morning after, I don't even think it was the morning after, was it the morning? I don't know if it was the morning after or not. I said after the presidential debate, uh, if, if what uh, happened last night, uh, if what happened last night, I don't even know how I said it, doesn't infuriate you, mm-hmm. you're a racist. Right. And I think, you know, some. see, my thing is, 
if you feel like someone's being intolerant, you should at least give them a chance to have a conversation about why you think they feel that way and so they can explain to you the way they feel. And if you don't have that conversation, aren't you in fact being intolerant? Well, there you solved it. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know. I, mean, I, I'm I, just, I would agree with that. So if you come across something that says, hey, if you hate, if you hate Trump, you hate America. I'd like to have a conversation about that. I'm not just going to delete you. Why would I hate America? Why do you feel that way? Oh, you feel that way? Well, here's how I feel. Now, we can either agree or we can agree to disagree. That's what should happen. Friends challenge friends. So me and my friend, I challenge him. He challenges me. He challenges all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and he talk, we, talk, we talk about these things. And then we leave it there. That's the best way I can say to go forward. Mm-hmm. Other people can't do that. They just say, listen, man, if you're on this side, then I'm out. Strongly Worded Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Flagler County Basketball Program. For high-quality, community-based youth basketball, you don't have to look any further than the Flagler County Hurricanes. Open to young people 8 through 18. Season starts November 7th. Sign up now at flaglerhurricanes.com. relationships where we left off can we repair them is it are we i think you can always you can always repair something with family so we'll take that off the table family is going to be family but if you have now isolated yourself because of your political leanings um you can't it's going to be hard but that's a choice you made see i don't make those choices um i don't feel like I need to delete people because of their political stuff. Now, I always say in relationships, I always gather information. And the more information I gather, that that tells me how I should interact with you. So the interactions might change. Um, the friendship can still remain intact, but I might not be as good of a friend, depending on the conversations that we've had or not had. That's another thing. If you have friends, I have friends who haven't talked to me in, with any significance of what happened, of what has happened with Trump, and I feel some type of way about that. Um, you know, because you see all this going on, you try to put, you can't put your head in the sand, is what I'm trying to say. And if you see people of color being harassed. And you have a friend that's a person of color, and he may be your only one. And you guys haven't had at least a discussion about this. You can be a friend in a lot of other ways, but during this four years, where were you at? 
And so that's going to inform me and in how I move forward with the level of friendship I give you. Because there's like a quote that I love. It's like, friendship is the purest form of love. You give it asking for nothing in return. But that's not always entirely true. You want your friends to at least respect you to a certain level. And if you have a friend that just deletes you like I do without a conversation, that's not respect. If you have a friend that knows you're a person of color and what you've dealt with in your life, and there's things going on right now all over the news, protests, there's every, everywhere there's protests, and they don't have a conversation with you, well, that's information I like to have. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use that information going forward how I interact. And it's really, you know, whoever, when the, when the office does change hands, whenever that is, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it has to, again, it, I keep saying it has to happen at all levels. I mean, there, there's going to have to be somebody at the top that is talking about unifying. We're going to have to be doing it at dining room tables and, mm -hmm. and in school and coffee shops. And I mean, it, it's the, the level of acrimony right now has even gotten to our kids. And without yeah. giving up a whole lot, I shared with you something, yeah. that, you know, some, uh, a conversation that two 13-year-olds were having, or a 13 and a 14-year-old were having that was really best left for probably their parents. Them, <laughs> I'm right? serious, yeah. But, you know, there are some kids nowadays who are more informed. Mm -hmm. Much more informed than we were. That's for sure. 13 and 14. That's for I was sure. not thinking about any of these kind of things. And nor was I encouraged to, nor, you know, was anybody asking me my opinion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's something that I've seen, like, there's... Um, even at 40, how old am I? Did I just turn 47, I think? Yeah, at I, was, I was not going to say your age. <laughs> That's okay. I'm all right. I'm getting okay with it. <laughs> uh, I am still, you know, like even in my family, I'm still uh, the kid. I'm right. the baby. I'm That's the right. young one. And I'm not living in the real world with my, you know, some of my thoughts or whatever, some of my beliefs. But um, it's great. I mean, I guess I should want to hang out with them because I'm the youth <laughs> when I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just a, a, a healing that has to take place at such it's got, such a deep level. Yeah, and it and it and it all depends. Like for me, it all depends how you've carried yourself the last four years. Like if you've been out here posting all these crazy memes, like you, I mean, he's not going to be president forever. Mm -mm. And Washington has to repair itself. Like those interns that can't even seem to meet each other at happy hour anymore. This is why nothing is getting done. Mm -hmm. Because the people who usually put in that kind of work can't even talk to each other. Right. Uh, you know, the moral stances that they're taking, <laughs> it's, it's, the hypocrisy is unreal. That's the, and that, that's the thing I always think about. With I always thought politicians were hypocrites, but... Nowadays, <laughs> and you know, I I check people's social media, and I don't always respond to everything. And like for me, if I see you posting a million things about police protests, but never about why they're protesting, mm -hmm. it informs me. Mm -hmm. If I see you post about a kid who gets in his car, drives to a protest, and kills two people and not post about what the protest was about in the first place, mm -hmm. it informs me. And if you don't want to inform people, step away from the keyboard. Mm -hmm. 
But when you inform people like that and you have friends, they're going to challenge you on that. And if you don't want to be challenged and you blow them off, you're going to lose friends. That's how that works. And, you know, I've lost some friends. I mean, I, that's how it is. And I, I don't know if I'll get them back. And if I do, I don't know if it'll be the same. And that's a sad thing because we're only at a moment in time. Even if it's another four years, another four years, I'll be 48. I've been president for eight years. That's only one sixth of my life. That's a moment in time. And people are really, like my dad would be saying, showing their asses for a moment in time for a dude that nobody cares about. So now you're in this echo chamber, only hanging out with people who, who believe the same things you believe. And not everyone does this. And that's the point. That's the point. We can't hang out. It's That's where the challenge is, to hang out with somebody who... But it's only a challenge if you put yourself in that situation. I had a guy who voted for Trump at my house. We were drinking beers on my couch. Right. I don't put myself in that situation. Okay. If you put yourself there in the echo chamber... So he's not in the echo chamber. He's heard what I had to say. Now, whether he acts on it, that's a whole different conversation for no different pie. That, so, but he's heard what I had to say, and he's not in an echo chamber. He knows what's going on, and he hangs out. He, I mean, he coaches. He knows we're all liberals. Like he, he's not in this echo chamber. I see people who are now either whether liberal or conservative, but I gotta be honest, it's mostly conservatives. Like they really feel attacked, and that's fine. But you're gonna get rid of all your friends who might have alternate opinions and hang out with the specific group of friends for your confirmation bias because that's where people that's where they you know that's what I said before I choose friendships where I feel safe you don't feel like safe you have being challenged by a friend is not lack of safety though no I agree with that I agree with that I'm saying in some you know in some of these instances where people aren't willing to you know where people kind of seek out like people to mm -hmm. feel okay about it. Um, that, I mean, that's where they feel safe. My, my, I, I feel safe disagreeing with you. I feel safe that you would come to me and say, no, I see this differently. Let's mm -hmm. talk this out. I do not feel safe with, uh, the person smirking and, and, Talking down and not yeah. listening and not. But you gotta discern. You gotta discern that though. Mm -hmm. If you throw everybody overboard without talking, so you're throwing people out who would smirk. So you might be right mm -hmm. for some of them, but the other people who wouldn't smirk, who would say, "Hey, I feel differently, but I still love you." You throwing them out too. Like yeah. there's a saying, "Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." I guess I probably have thrown a couple of those out, and a couple of them have thrown me out. Right. Maybe those are the ones that will reconnect. Maybe. But if you wait, like, life goes on. Yeah. You know? And if you wait months and months and months, you know, the train life rolls. You get new friends. Trump or otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hang out with different people, and yeah. now you don't have time for those people anymore. You know? You, you know? No, maybe we're... Here for a reason or we're here for a season? Yeah, there's some friends like that. 
I've had I've had seasonal friends. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. We, uh, you know, like we said at the top of the show, I, I don't think that you or I ever started out to make a political podcast. And no, we, won't, we won't talk politics no, every week. No, nah, not at all. But it's hard not to on October 11th, 2020. So I'm sure it'll, we'll have a little bit of it, but hopefully we'll be able to also come back and talk about what happens next. Yeah. All right. Well, we thank everybody for listening. Uh, you can find us at uh, our on our website at stronglywordedpod.com. You can find us on Instagram at stronglywordedpod. Uh, I think on TikTok we are also stronglywordedpod. Mm-hmm. Snapchat strongly underscore worded. Yep. Twitter stronglywordedp. The letter P. We had too many letters for Twitter. I couldn't make it all work differently. Please hold your jokes. (laughs) Sometimes they write themselves. (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. The Strongly Worded Podcast is written and produced by Johnny Hampton and Sue O'Lear. Music production and vocals 